Hi, this is Tom Darling, your host for Conversations with Classic Boats, the podcast that talks to boats. And we're very excited when we started this series on the modern history of women's competitive sailing. We kicked it off with an interview with my Princeton classmate and five-decade friend, Marilee Allen. Marilee was the bedrock of the Princeton women's sailing team that ran off consecutive national championships from mid-1974 on. You can read her story in the October Windcheck magazine, in print or online. Just source it at windcheckmagazine.com. Our good friends at Windcheck are carrying this episode as well in their November-December issue. Windcheck magazine, reaching more sailors from New York to the Cape. But of course, for me, when I think of the Rolex Women's Worlds, I think of my younger sister, Wendy Darling Lotz, the only Darling family member with the Peter Pan legacy name. She'd grown up on Narragansett Bay as a long-suffering crew on my Blue Jay 2062 chock full of nuts. She was also a familiar sight on the bow of race boats up to J30s. And she, on the boat, was the consulting detective of the foredeck. Unflappable. Her explanation of the foredeck was simple. Quote, it's all about timing and teamwork. And if the skipper's driving well, my job is easy. Now this episode, we have the Women's Competitive Sailing sequel. And we are manufacturing some sailing history. At least we are reporting it 38 years later. If rock bands have reunions, why not rock star crews? This episode is set about a decade after Marilee and her teams shattered the glass ceiling of women's intercollegiate sailing. And we're so excited to reprise the path over time of one Betsy Allison, a champion forever she is. In part one of our series on modern women's competitive sailing, we interviewed our old Princeton classmate. She was from a Southern California sailing family and anchored the women's team in 1974 to win the Women's Intercollegiate Championship. She was a pioneer who, along with her Newport Beach neighbor, the late Nina Nielsen, were the first female inductees into the Intercollegiate Hall of Fame in 1995. And it was a decade after women's sailing broke out at the college level that a Tufts graduate from Matitaconk River on Barnegat Bay, a young lightning ace, set out with her crew to win a world championship in perhaps the first truly international women's regatta. She was Betsy Gelinitis Allison. And that event was the Rolex International Women's Keelboat Championship with her crew of four, Corey Sertle-Fisher, Catherine Ritchie Yosdans, Bonnie Shore, and my younger sister, Wendy Darling Lotz. The crew of the J-24 Maggie went out in Newport with Hurricane Gloria looking over their collective shoulders. They won the Rolex International Women's Keelboat Regatta, what became known as the Women's Worlds. Betsy would go on to win four more Women's Worlds. 38 years later, in August 2023, Betsy stepped to the podium in The Hague, the Netherlands, to accept her gold medal for winning the single-handed championship in para-athletic yachting. These are two inspiring stories. The telling of the first was the result of a Zoom meeting we organized in August 2023 for the 1985, quote, Team Soft Sail, 
so named for the team's sponsor, a popular household cleaner. To the best of their knowledge, the five had never gathered in one place since the 1985 Rolex International event. They were ready to reminisce about what was a first in a historic, iconic event in women's sailing, and one that is still running. Enter the Rolex International Women's Keelboat Regatta. In 1985, the stage was set for that first truly international women's open racing event. It was called Rolex because they were the sponsor, as they have become for many high-profile sailing events. International, because there were three dozen boats, with nine from outside the U.S., and Japan being the long-distance champion. It was keelboat, because the weapon of choice for this shootout was the J-24. Ironically, the J-24 had been skippered by virtually no women at that point, but they were common after eight years of production and easy to procure from current owners. The discussion between the five crew members contained the memories of hundreds of years of women's sailing experience. And like so many pioneers, the soft sail team was both self-effacing and a little bit incredulous about the events of fall 1985. But they seemed to be thrilled to reunite, wondering why had it taken so long. Enter the Lightning Connection. There were a few common elements among their backgrounds. All of them had sailed at a high competitive level in the Lightning class. Only two of them had done serious intercollegiate sailing. Betsy Allison would go on to win four Rolex Yachtswomen of the Year awards after being schooled at Tufts by the legendary Joe Dublin. They were both married and unmarried and about to be married. Three of them were intimately knowledgeable with the venue, the tricky winds and currents of the Newport, Rhode Island race courses. That experience and the teamwork forged in a very short time before the regatta carried them to the podium. But in many ways, they were the women's sailing dream team. Like the Barcelona men's Olympic basketball team in 92. Sir Charles, MJ, the mailman. They gelled on the spot, and they won. The conditions were daunting. Skipper had never driven a boat of choice for the regatta, the J-24. She enlisted an expert opinion in one Kenny Reed, Rhode Island rock star and reigning world champion at the time in the class. The regatta was interrupted by a full-blown hurricane, Hurricane Gloria, which forced the teams to sequester their boats in the Revolutionary War vintage stone fortress of Fort Adams at the outer rim of Newport Harbor and then sit out the storm with no power, hoping to go racing. And no question, their leader was Betsy. She spoke for the group positively, enthusiastically, and forcefully about the experience. And where better <laughs> place to start than start with, this, with the skipper of the winner? She's Betsy Allison. Betsy, I really thank you for getting involved in the podcast. And I think we've assembled the whole team here. Is that not correct for 1985? That's exactly right. This is the crew. This is the team that, um, you know, that came together. And I don't know exactly who planted the initial seed, but I know that Corey reached out to me and said, hey, you know, all these lightning sailors, we were talking about getting together and sailing a J-24 at this big championship in Newport. 
what do you think? Do you want to drive? And I was like, you know, me, you know, as a 25-year-old, I was like, sure, that would be really great. And then internally, I was terrified because I had never driven a keelboat before. And I'd driven a lot of boats, but I was, wow, this is, you know, a little bigger than I'm used to. But it's like, hey, you know, we've got such experienced and talented sailors in this group. And as I said, we had all been racing lightning. So, you know, what we had learned and who we had sailed with and the connections we had made over time and and coming out of college sailing, you know, there was so much uh, energy and enthusiasm for doing something new, especially, you know, against a lot of international competitors, I think was really appealing to all of us. The lineup on Team Soft Sail, working from the back of the boat forward, Betsy Skipper, Corey Sertle Fisher, Trim and Tactics. She was a local, schooled as a sailing instructor on Jamestown Island across from Newport. Bonnie Shore, local Newport sailmaker, spinnaker guru from the clan of Shore Lightning Sailors. It was her boat, Maggie, and she had a lot of big race experience. Catherine Richie Josenhans from Connecticut, Pitt, front crew for Lightning Ace, Chet Proctor. And Wendy Darling Lots, Newport, my younger sister and Junior Blue Jay crew, and Hotshot Lightning Fordeck Ace. Betsy took the mic first to tell the story of the team's preparation. How did they learn the J-24? From the Jedi Master of J-24 himself, Kenny Reed, kingpin of the Rhode Island Sailing Mafia. Betsy described the learning process from tuning the rigging to figuring out how to drive and grind the windward jib sheet with the same hand at the same time. I had, as I mentioned, I had no J24 experience. And when the team asked me to drive the boat, I said, well, who better to go to than Ken Reed, who was the reigning world champion. And uh, he and I sat down at the handy lunch in Newport. And I said, you need to tell me how this works and who does what. And he sat me down and on a little three by five notebook pages, he drew a picture of the boat and he said, this is where people all sit upwind and this is where they sit downwind and this is how you cross sheet a J-24 Genoa. So he showed me on paper and then he said, and oh, by the way, Betsy, you need to carry the winch handle across the boat and grind in the Genoa the next few inches. And I was like, okay. So whatever he told me in the hour we had sat down with, we all met at the boat, you know, for the first time and you know, I said, okay, well, this is what I know. And I just started spouting back whatever Kenny had told me. And it never occurred to me that it would be difficult, you know, tacking the boat and carrying the winch handle and slamming it in and grinding in the Genoa and everything was timing. And uh, I and the other thing that was so unusual back then is there were only three rig settings. Now everybody's, you know, retuning in between races and he wanted us to move the mass step around too. I mean, it was just crazy. It was simple, you know, basic, but it was more complicated than what the expectations were, I think, for a lot of other teams that were sailing. And the personalities gelled really well. It was really fun. And I was really worried going into the first, um, in the, into the practice race the night before I had nightmares. I was thinking, oh my God, what if we don't do well? They're going to ask me not to drive the boat. And so I was having these horrible nightmares and we went out and we won the practice race. And, you know, for me, that made it a better path. So uh, 
But that's how I remember those early days is sitting down with Kenny because, I, you know, I had to learn as much as I could as quickly as I could. And then, you know, subsequently after moving to Newport, I raced J24s every Wednesday night and, and whatnot. But at the time, at this, you know, 1985 event, I think many of us had such little time on the boat that it was new to all of us. Got it. Got it. Okay. So we've gone from the back of the boat. Now, who is in front of you? That's Corey. Corey. Uh-huh. Well, I was. You trimmed okay. Genoa Bond? I, th- I think I was because I was tactician. Okay. I, I think I was. I think I was, but I don't really, you know, to be honest, I don't remember anything other than winning. Now, let's talk about Team Soft Sail. As co-tactician and mistress of spinnaker trimming, Bonnie Shore was from the Shore clan that had been in Newport seemingly forever. Beaming in from her house in Florida, Bonnie was obviously the adult supervision for the young team as the mother hen of Team Soft Sail. She had less to say, but she said it. As a senior member of the crew, there was not much she hadn't seen. She'd learned it from Bill and Doug Shore during a long run at high levels and lightnings. She said, sail, sail, sail was my life. My father had a lightning. I did nothing but sail and race, and that was my life. I just happened to have a J-24, wouldn't you know it? And donated it to the cause. Betsy got us good sponsors, and we could really work and make it a great boat. And if I got Betsy as a helmsman, I was in heaven. And I know from day one, we were going to win the regatta. Corey also qualified as local knowledge. She'd grown up in the water across from Newport, on Jamestown Island, at the unpronounceable Connecticut Yacht Club. She was a student of the fickle currents and variable winds. And she was, as a crew to be alter ego, to Betsy, yin to yang, calm to world-class intensity. Well, it's interesting to hear Bonnie talk about it because I was in such awe of Bonnie's skills and her ability to make a boat go fast that, you know, any role she had, I was just a big sponge for um, anything she could teach me and, um, you know, learn from everybody else on the boat. So she was, she was definitely an idol at that time because of all the great sailing she had done right, you know, right before us. Um, I just remember, um, you know, just really enjoying being part of the team. And, um, you know, it's always so much fun being part of a team that gels and works really well together. Um, One of the stories I remember is just how many really interesting people there were racing, coming together, racing all the boats in the fleet. Um, You know, different um, women that came from all over to put together J24s. And one of those groups was a group from St. Pete, Florida. And we ended up having them stay at our house in Jamestown. And I guess we're going to get a little bit into the hurricane that came during the event where we had to put all the boats away. And I remember my mom at the house and the women from Florida saying, okay, we're really experts on hurricanes in Florida here. So we know exactly what we need to do to get the house ready. And, um, but I remember taking all the boats out of the water and putting them in inside the fort. Isn't that what we did? Catherine Ritchie bridged the cockpit and the fort deck. We call it the pit from Dalhousie University in Nova Scotia. She came down and built up years of experience as the bow person 
on Ched Proctor's Lightning. I remember the the uh, heavy air of the regatta, you know, when you, you all get together in a boat for the first time and you presume, you know, maybe you'll have eight or 10 knots and you'll get a chance to go out there. And the, uh, the J-24 had that gigantic, big overlapping jib, which I don't think we used all the time, did we? I think, uh, I think we switched down to the smaller one, but it, it was just, it was a windy event with a, with a, just took a lot of concentration and we did all gel really well together um, as a team. I had uh, Wendy in front of me doing bow and I suppose I was sort of pit chick with a little bow support for Wendy. I remember a couple of really heavier jibes where I could see the whites of her eyes and I'd sort of stand up and think, do I have to help Wendy get that, you know? (laughs) But for me, when I think of the Rolex Women's Worlds, I think of my younger sister, Wendy Darling Lotz, the only family member with that Peter Pan legacy name. She had grown up on Narragansett Bay as a long-suffering crew on my Blue Jay, chock full of nuts. She became a familiar sight on the bow of race boats. She was the consulting detective of the Fordeck, unflappable. Her explanation of the Fordeck was simple. It's all about timing and teamwork. If the skipper's driving well, my job is easy. But I'll just introduce my sister, who was my crew in a Blue Jay. I had my two sisters <laughs> with my crew. And my mother's theory was that, my father's theory, I'm not sure, I think it was my mother's theory, was that I wouldn't be able to really abuse my sisters if they were my crew. My middle, my <laughs> sister who is older than Wendy still thinks that I was very abusive, but um, I did manage to sail with them for many years. Uh, our boat was called Chock Full of Nuts. Uh, my mother had painted on the back the Chock Full of Nuts symbol, and I I did battle primarily against Skippy White, who was probably four years five years older than I was, and it really really nerved Skippy out when we would show up these two little girls dressed in probably Sperry coats and we would beat them. They really, it really got him upset. But anyway, I'll turn it over to Wendy. Yeah. To this day, he's still upset about that, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My, my biggest memory is holding the, we had a wood boat, holding the jib track on with my feet for the entire race because it was pulling off the boat. But yeah. So anyway, I, I did go back a long way and the, the Ford Econ, the J24, I, you know, I've done, so many races in so many different boats, it all blends together. Um, and you just do your job. And I had the benefit that is always a benefit, the helms person and the person flying the chute. I just have to move the pole from one side to the other. If they do their job, I can do my job. And that's still the way it works on the foredeck. It's really not a lot of skill. It's all in timing and teamwork. So yeah, I you know there's been so many races, and I did sail with Betsy and a number of other um, one of the, these keelboats. They do sort of blend together, um, but I do remember the parties. Um, Corey and I were talking about this. So Rolex sponsored this. We had the most. I think it was at the Marble House, just an amazing event with all of these women, and you know a few race committee guys here and there but a lot of women and it was just spectacular. Nobody, we had never seen anything like this before. I had never seen anything like this before. And the race committee did an amazing job. And Connor was the, uh, the, uh, I think she ran to his, whatever the regatta chair and she, she just was spectacular. And then Helen Ingerson, I think, remember yeah. her? She, I think she was like the head judge. She was really involved, but back then it was, it was use route. 
Truth be told, the family affair extended very discreetly to the race committee. My parents, Wells and Mary Will, darling, now 95 and 93 respectively, had moved to Newport in 1984 and were about to join the Ida Lewis Yacht Club, that club on the rock in Newport Harbor. The chair of the event, Ann Connor, had asked my father to be the race committee. Pretty big job for a new arrival. So my mother came along as the major domo of Signals and Shapes. It was just recently that she whispered to me that the men might not have been trusted to keep all the housekeeping straight. I was always told that winning the practice race was bad karma. But a practice race was a leading indicator. Team Soft Sale won and never doubted that they would. Not a hitch. No, I think Betsy said it very well when she said it was civil. I think one of the big things that was really very, very special as a women's team was how you you just gelled together as a team itself and were able to not fight about anything. You just did your job. There was no yelling. There's no screaming unless maybe we were hitting bottom at some point uh, with a with a jibe or tipping over practically. But other than that, um, no, I think the, the congeniality between all of us was just exceptionally special. And to this day, it, it still remo- remembers and, uh, and re- uh, reminds me of all that. So that was the, the best part of sailing with the team that we sailed with. It was, it was very special. And as I said, not a hitch except for the complication of one minor detail, a hurricane named Gloria. No one really had the playbook for dealing with 36 barrel keelboats in a hurricane, but the decision was wisely taken to evacuate the boats. But to where? Easy. You pluck them out of Brenton Cove, you roll them on trailers into Fort Adams, 1790's answer to warding off foreign naval invasions. Would it take all three dozen? Absolutely. Like children's toys with masks peeking over the 18th century battlements. Tell me, what was going through your mind when you heard about there could be a hurricane? <laughs> what do we do with the boats? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to take all the boats out of the water and put them inside of Fort Adams. I was remembering that when they went to relaunch the boats the following day after the hurricane, the power was still out. Yeah. And so mm. they couldn't use the Yacht Club crane. So Somebody hired some gigantic cherry picker type crane that then hoisted all these boats and put them in the water. And the racing went on without even any any power down for, I don't know if it was a day or two where there was no power. Sort of like, I remember that. That was pretty amazing to think. That we hauled them all out, put them in the fort, and all you could see were the tips of the masts. The tips of the masts, yeah. Hiding inside the fort, which I don't know whose idea it was, but it was so smart. And it gave you confidence that unless the walls of the fort were going to come tumbling down, the boats were pretty safe inside. And I remember hunkering down, Wendy, at your parents' house with a little cupola up on the roof, you know, and We'd go up and peek every once in a while up there and everything was shaking and it was crazy. And I think the neighbor's (laughs) chimney came down and it was just, I mean, it was a crazy time. And it was so quiet the day after when we all went down and there was no power. And they said, 
let's get the boats in the water and go sailing girls. And we were, we said, okay, let's do it. Yeah. And, you know, it was just a pretty seamless process for how dramatic the weather had just been. Mm. Was there a race that stuck in your mind as the, as your sort of race that race of the regatta that you'll remember forever? No, I mean, I just remember the series as being something that we felt really comfortable and confident with. And, you know, there's other years when I remember certain incidences that happened that could have changed the outcome. But that first one, I think probably the biggest shocker was the hurricane that came down in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I just think we were just so comfortable as a team and we only got better the more comfortable we became with the equipment. The morning after, the storm had passed, power gone, from the cupola in my parents' Newport house on the hill in Newport. You could see the fleet looking like escapees from the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, ready to sail ghostly out of the fort. But the day after, the storm was gone, the water was high, but the power was off. No hoists, no boats in the water, no racing. But the solution was already in place. A local club member had procured a huge yellow mechanical wheeled device with a hoist and was waiting to pick up the J24s and deposit them over the berm into the water. Problem solved, regatta recommences. The crew of Soft Sail, their white spinnaker carrying a retro logo of a woman wielding her cleaning supplies, quickly and efficiently finished what they started. They won. And the team picture was right out of the 1980s. Low resolution, no social media. But thanks to Catherine's mother, Mrs. Ritchie, back in Nova Scotia, there was a file of press clippings to confirm the story of Team Soft Sale. All right. This is all great. I'm, I'm so gratified that you could all get together like this, having not done it for a while. But, you know, would there ever be a senior tour for sailors? (laughs) so so i think what's so great about our sport is that we can compete in this sport you know as long as we're physically able and you know betsy's like a prime example of that you know challenged with a physical um challenge and came out and sailed and won a gold medal in the um event at the hague this year so I think whether we're challenged physically or challenged as we get older and older, um, you know, there's so many things like Wendy and I are just part of the um, grandmasters team racing event on New York Yacht Club's team. So I think it's a sport where we can continue to compete um, in so many different ways. And it's what's so awesome about this sport. Now. 37 years after that first title, one of five, disaster struck Betsy Allison. As the veteran coach of the U.S. para-athlete sailing team, she had guided numerous teams to success in the sport up to the Olympic level. What I'm about to tell you comes from the website of Olympic.com. In November of 2022, a team of surgeons at Mass General removed a cancerous tumor the size of a football from Allison's hip, subsequently removing 90% of her glute muscles, part of her femur, 
much of her pelvis and reconfiguring much of her hip and upper leg muscles. I had no idea whether I was going to come out with a leg, she said. Nine months later, Allison stepped to the top of the podium with a gold medal. After relearning to walk in the early months of 2023, the Sailing World Championships came into view for the decorated sailor. Held in August in The Hague in the Netherlands, it marked the first test for a recovering champion. Her goals were, one, use the championship as a clear-cut date to finish weaning off the prescription drugs. Two, successfully travel alone. There was nothing on that list about winning. Maybe that was just assumed. Then after a three-day training trip to Sacramento, California, Allison had traveled across the country on her own and trained in the boat she would be racing for the first time in The Hague, both of which boosted her confidence and prepared her for her first race in more than 18 months. The result? She took the world by storm in a 10-day battle with Poland's Olga Gormas-Grudsen, leaving her mark with a gold and a world title in a boat she had just only learned to sail. I felt that I had already won before I got into a boat, Betsy said. Honestly, this was a bonus on top of everything else. It felt great to be back in a boat again. She looked back at the success in the Lightnings, sailing the J-24s in the Women's Worlds, generation of coaching the U.S. team, and summed up her strategy. Quote, she said, find the best and keep asking questions. It's not one award, it's not one event, it's the collective history of what I've been able to achieve. Spoken by a true champion of women's sailing and sailing in general. That headline in 1985 was, U.S. Crew Tops International Women's Sailing Podium. The headline in 2023 was, Women's Sailing Ace Blazes a Tough Path to Gold, Again. Thanks to Olympic.org for your web website comments and to the entire 1985 Team Soft Sail, all of you, wherever you are. And that's our part two of the look back at the modern history of women's competitive sailing. With pioneers like Marilee Allen at the college level and gutsy teams like Team Soft Sail in those early international amateur events that preceded women competing at the Olympic level in the 1988 Games. We have so many people to thank for their participation in this episode, beginning, of course, with our featured sailors, Team Soft Sail, and, of course, th thanks, Betsy, for your inspirational work for and as a world sailor in the para-athlete category. And thank you, the Conversations audience, for listening. The Conversations for Classic Boats and New Classic Conversations continue to grow their audience in the U.S. and abroad. Give us a rating for this episode. Five stars, please. And remember the entire library of season one to six are available wherever you get your podcasts and on the website at www.conversationswithclassicboatsalloneword.com. Make sure to read our print version on Winchex's media site and in print in the magazine distributed throughout the Northeast. Sample us on Scuttlebutt News every month or so. 
And now, see us on the Spectrum streaming podcast site. All of you subscribers to Spectrum, go to the little podcast symbol, and there we are with the big boys. You can always reach us with comments at tcd4sale2, that's tcd4sale2, at gmail.com. We welcome your comments and episode ideas. And don't forget Mad Martha. She's been quiet up there at Team One on Thames Street in Newport. But she's coming on big for the holidays. Catch the Team One lineup at TeamOneNewport.com. And we're very excited about our next pair of episodes. First, a classic conversation with a couple of the most fascinating sailing people I have encountered, Stan and Sally Honey. Congratulations to Sally for her induction to the Hall of Fame, the Sailing Hall of Fame. And then we start the new year with a then and now episode on the fastest growing part of college sailing, offshore boats. Our current episode was written by me, Tom Darling, and produced by Griffin Bengroff. Special thanks to Jason Ross. There's a pause in sailing in the Northeast. We pulled out our IOD just a couple of weekends ago, put her up on the blocks. But in the phraseology of the late Jimmy Buffett, whom we all miss dearly, there's sailing going on somewhere. Take care of yourself and someone else if you can. Fair sailing, Tom Darling. And we'll roll the old chariot along. We'll roll the old chariot along. We'll roll the old chariot along. And we'll all have...